Welcome to the WealthStream Podcast. The team at Hightower Great Lakes share their insights and passions for empowering their clients to live their best life. In this energetic podcast, we will take you on a journey to help you navigate your financial future, overcome life's challenges to reach your financial goals, and find the financial clarity you've been searching for. Let's explore the downstream impact of your wealth and what it means to you, your family, and your community to live greater. Hello, and welcome to the Wealth Stream Podcast with Tim Scannell. Hello, Tim. How are you? I'm good. How about yourself? Doing fantastic. I heard you had a wonderful weekend. What'd you do? I did. Uh, my wife, Nancy, and I, we drove up to Milwaukee. It's just a couple hour drive, and we're able to spend a day with my brand new grandson, Charlie. Oh, it was a man. blast. <laughs> yeah. A brand new grandson. So how many grandkids do you have? So I have uh, Eileen. Uh, she's three and a half. And then um, her little brother, Charlie. So I have two grandchildren. And oh, I tell you gosh. what, everyone always told me it would be great, but um, it's even better than I ever thought. It's it's a blast. Oh, man, that is that is fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. You, bet. you know, it, actually, that ties in incredibly well with what we're talking about today. Uh, I know we are uh, we prepped the audience. We're talking about charitable giving and philanthropy today and and how it can be used to help uh, generational planning and, and, and kind of leaving a legacy. Exactly. So what we try to do when we work with clients, uh, we obviously spend a lot of time and energy helping them prepare their wealth or assets mm-hmm. ultimately to be transferred to the next generation. But today I really wanted to focus on philanthropy as a way to help prepare the next generation to receive the wealth, you know, to receive it. I look at it as you know, receiving it in a way that enhances their life, helps them out as opposed to hurts them. But also beyond your, your beneficiaries, your heirs, you know, oftentimes our clients have very specific charities they want to benefit. And we also have processes that we help them use to prepare the charities to when they get the gifts and the donations to use those in a way that kind of reflects their values. Mm-hmm. And kind of a third benefit of using philanthropy is that it's a way that our clients, you know, people can pass knowledge, experience, uh, create a legacy with the next generation. One of my passions is entrepreneurship, and I sincerely think that when people pass on, when they when they when they pass on and they, they when they die, if they haven't passed their knowledge, their experience, um, you know, how they created the business, how they created the wealth, I just think it's it's um, it's a missed opportunity to pass on their legacy to the next generation. And so philanthropy is just one of those tools that we use to do that. Got it. I mean, that makes perfect sense. I think one of the things that we focus on that might be a little different from other advisors is, and I mentioned it, I think, in the last podcast, but really our definition of wealth. So a lot of times people will come meet with us and we help them analyze the traditional sense of wealth like cash and stocks and bonds, real Mm -hmm. estate, income, cash flow. But in addition to those traditional assets um, and, you know, that you would find in your balance sheet, we think of wealth, including your family name, your legacy. You know, all you have to do is read the paper or look in the Internet and you see how your family brand can be really harmed. There's a lot of information out there about you. So we, we focus on helping clients kind of preserve and protect and pass on some of that knowledge and information to protect the name. And knowledge is a big part of it. Um, but also 
most of our clients we work with have a, a great deal of, we call it donor intent, but really it's a feeling that they want to give back. They want to support the community. They want to support the charities that have really supported them. So our definition of wealth as a starting point, I think is just a broader definition than maybe other advisors might use. And I know that with passing on wealth to a charity or a, a community outreach program or, or whatever, there's so many different ways to do a, a ton of good with the, the funds that you're passing. But I think a lot of people don't realize that they can actually do a lot of good for their own family by passing that to a charity uh, because there's tax issues. There's there's all sorts of different things that we just don't know about, the, all the ins and outs and the different you know laws and rules and regulations that the government puts in place and the state puts in place. We just don't know them all. So how do you help your clients kind of walk through that so their giving to a charity can actually also help their family? Exactly. So in our formal processes, we add things you can do, things clients can do to help with that. So in the beginning, we focus a lot of energy on preparing your assets for transfer. We work with your CPAs and your attorneys and your trust officers, other advisors you might be working with. We prepare the analysis of the assets, liabilities. We put together the plans. We help you with communication processes for your family. But where we add that next step is what we call preparing for what I think is a gap in the planning process, which is preparing your family for receiving the wealth. And, you know, there's, I don't know if you've ever seen it, Eric, but there's a kind of a Norman Rockwell painting of a father and son. And I had read that it initially was on a, um, an annual report for a trust company in the seventies. But if you haven't seen it, you can visualize it's a photo or a painting of a father on the left and he's sitting in a chair and he's pulling documents out of an old uh, lockbox, you know, where people used to store things. Mm -hmm. And then you have the son sitting across from him, just wide eyed and confused because the father is holding a stock certificate, you know, and he's trying to explain passing on information. And really it's a very one way photo. It's a very one way painting. And I think that oftentimes that's the problem is you're passing the information to them, but we like to use philanthropy in particular as a way to make it more collaborative and sharing and getting information from the next generation. Wow, that's fantastic. Including your children or even your grandchildren in your giving of not only finances, but time to, to different charities or different things that are near and dear to your heart. What, a, what an opportunity to train them in kind of the right thing to do or, or how you can impact your community and make it about somebody else and not just yourself. Exactly, because when when you read about why transfers of wealth fail, if you read uh, statistics about business, uh, family-owned businesses only survive 20% of the time into the third generation, typically the cause is lack of communication and lack of trust between the parents, the grandparents, and then the children. And so uh, communication is, is a key part of it. And philanthropy as a tool is all based on communication. So for example, you know, one of the things that philanthropy does is it really allows you to train the kids, train the next generation, whether it's your children or grandchildren mm -hmm. in the use of money. This past weekend when I was up in Milwaukee, obviously Charlie's too young, even Eileen who's three and a half is too young, but uh, we can start talking about things like, you know, 529 accounts or just uh, giving that they do at their local church or opportunities now that Eileen's in, in kindergarten or pre-K to participate in some of the, the holiday events where they're donating turkeys and, and, mm -hmm. and going on to soup kitchens and things like that. 
So a lot, sometimes it's just taking advantage of opportunities and really using it as a, a way to train and learn and teach them about money. I, I'm really surprised that Eileen's not interested in 529 plans. <laughs> you know, I guess that, that's a little too much, but I can guarantee their parents are. Yeah, know? absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. think Eileen's more interested in uh, what the money does and the candy it can buy or the mm-hmm. uh, whatever it can buy. And so that's that, that'll be fun to train her in the right way. And that's her parents' job. And, and uh, good luck with that because we've all been through that or a lot of yeah. us have been through that. Talk to me a little bit about how this communication works. I know you and I have spoken about multi-generational family meetings you're going to tell us a little bit about that process at some point, right? I'm, I'm kind of waiting for that podcast. I'm kind of excited. Yes. Uh, the next podcast will focus specifically on multi-generational family meetings and a process that we have for designing and creating and implementing and you know managing those meetings. Philanthropy tools are really something that can become part of that. Mm. I'll just give you an example. I have uh, one family, grandparents, they actually work in the business with the children so there's a lot of connection there. There's a lot of communication, a lot of transfer of knowledge between them. But in order to create some of that transfer of knowledge between the grandparents and the grandchildren, they set up a donor advice fund and they contributed $10,000 in this example. And they said, you know, there's five grandchildren and each of the five grandchildren had the opportunity to select a charity that they could then give $2,000 to. Wow. Now, it doesn't seem like a lot but what happens is you're first of all you're requiring one of the requirements then is that each of the grandchildren had to go and not just say i want to give it to this charity but they had to actually talk to the charity they had to identify things like you know what percentage of contributions actually go to the the end user Mm -hmm. you know to the the charity so it really made them kind of research because what this grandfather had said to me was we're not, and this really stuck with me, we're not trying to prepare them to respect a dollar because they respect the dollar. We're trying to prepare them to respect, you know, half a million dollars because that's what's going to plop in their lap at some point in the future. And you want to make sure that they respect money, they understand money. Um, and this is one of the tools that we that they used um, to do that. That's great. And, and using philanthropy as a tool for your overall financial plan is is beautiful because it has so many benefits. But I want us to take a step back just for a moment. That's a beautiful picture that you painted that the, the five grandchildren, they had to do some research. I know there's tools online. I, I can't think of the website at right this moment. Hopefully we can find it and put a link in the podcast. But I know there's a tool online that actually helps you to take a look at a charity and see what percentage of your donation goes directly to the people in need or the 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 reason for the charity existing. Uh, so we have those tools. We'll, we'll put a link in the in the podcast for that. Also, the, the fact that they are finding a charity that would be near and dear to them, I, I think that's so important that every family member understands that if, if your grandparents or your parents give to a charity, you need to ask the question, why? Yeah, so that's really important. I think that the in this case, we'll just stick with the same example of the grandparents, but you know, their giving historically was all built around their family values as a mm-hmm. couple. This gave them the opportunity to pass some of those values, pass some of that history and knowledge to the grandkids. But it also gave the grandparents um, a lot of insight into the grandchildren in terms of really what's important to them, you know, what kind of values they have, because mm-hmm. they're different. They're similar in a lot of ways, but very different in others. So it was a very much a two-way conversation that created a lot of collaboration, a lot of strength in the you know connection between them all. They had fun doing it. 
um, it just in general was a great learning experience in the building of this family unit, I thought. Did the grandparents share with you or did they have the opportunity to share with you kind of how that, how they came back together and, and discussed it or you know, kind of the level of accountability that these grandkids had? Yeah, I'll say that um, the accountability piece is is really key because that's one of the lessons I think that this really can teach. Mm-hmm. In this case, what the what they learned was that some of the kids were just more accountable than others, right? <laughs> and that, I mean, that's how it is. I have five children. Uh, they're the same way. And I don't mean accountable in the sense that they just didn't follow through, but you know, other people. You have different interests. Some people are much more numbers orientated. Some people are much more emotional. Mm, sure. uh, they're just different styles of communication. Uh, and then a couple were super busy in college, and you know they just didn't have the time to to, to do it. So it, it wasn't a. I wouldn't say it was a you know 100% complete success, but I thought it, in general it went really really well. But also it created kind of a stepping stone for the next year and the year after that. And it just kind of builds this pattern of giving, pattern of, of respect for money, and just a you know an opportunity to just teach and pass on your legacy and knowledge each year. What a great picture to be able to take a look at. I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to that kind of data and things. And and thinking of the five kids or five grandchildren in this in this picture, uh, and the age gaps between them would definitely play a part in, in what they thought, what you know, how much effort they put in necessarily or how emotionally tied they could be to a charity uh, just because of their experiences, their stage in life, like you said, some people in college, some people you know working full time. Um, I mean that that has to be the, the age issue must be pretty pretty interesting to take a look at. Yeah, so we have kind of general rules of thumb, but the reality is everyone varies with age in maturity levels. Plus, um, just based on time, you know, opportunities to participate in this. But generally, like with, you know, Eileen is to maybe when she's in the fourth or fifth grade, there's going to be a lot of opportunities to participate in philanthropy through her school, through Mm -hmm. her church, through other organizations in the community. And a lot of times it's just a matter of getting the family involved with them to make sure that there's collaboration and communication, you know, and then maybe when they're you know, 10 to 15 years old, um, they get more involved. Uh, I'll give you an example of a, um, one we worked on last Christmas or the holidays last year. Uh, there was an 11-year-old, one, a different family, but a, a grandchild. And, you know, they went through the whole process. They gathered the data. They decided on the charity. They sent the contribution. And then um, they never got a thank you. And, you know, five, six months later, they're talking to the parents and, and they said, you know, I don't think I'm going to uh, gift to them ne- next year <laughs> because they really, not that you have to get a thank you, you're not doing it for the thank you, but there was just a lack of response from the charity mm. that made them reconsider. Wow. So that's it's a powerful. Great lesson. Yeah, that's powerful from, from an 11-year-old. That's, that's really powerful. Yeah, and then I have um, kids who've been doing this for a while and now they're in college. I call them kids. My, my, my own children tell me not to do that, but <laughs> now they're in college and you know, I have one that's organizing a relay for life um, at the university. Wow, that's awesome. Um, and then, you know, one thing we do here with our firm is uh, our local chamber has a great program where it's they call it the leadership program. And you go, uh, I always require, or I don't require, but I, I recommend that everyone who joins the firm t- participate in this because over a 12-week period, 
they go to 10 or 11 meetings and at each meeting at the chamber the chamber brings in one nonprofit a different mm. nonprofit that talks about you know what they're doing and what they're trying to do is establish next generation leaders who will participate in nonprofits in the community and at the end when they graduate they pick a charity that that they really connect with and then hopefully get on a board there and really get more active in it so depending on the age the opportunities the time um, it's just it's just a wonderful lesson where it teaches you respect for money. It connects you to multi-generations with a lot of sharing of information. That makes sense. And it also brings up my next question to you. I know we're going to be talking about multi-generational family meetings on the next podcast, and I am so freaking excited about that because that, that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, but when you have clients just sitting in front of you and you're not to that point yet, what tools do you give them that will help them to maybe make that family uh, multi-generational family meeting happen? Well, one thing, when I'm in front of a, a client or just talking to somebody in general about it, I'll, I'll just ask a pretty basic question. You know, in your children, grandchildren, are, are the younger children and grandchildren encouraged to participate in philanthropic decisions? And really, from just talking to a client that really opens up a lot of conversation about maybe they are, maybe they aren't, maybe they want to, maybe they don't want to, but it creates a lot of conversation. And then at that point, a lot of times they'll say, well, this sounds great, but it seems overwhelming. You know, where do I start? And we have a, a checklist that, you know, not a checklist, but a series of questions that um, they might start asking their family. And oftentimes the opportunity is over holidays, you know, just very basic things like, you know, what charitable activities have you been involved in? You know, why, how it's the who, what, when, where, mm -hmm. and how, and why questions. Um, you know, what, what gifts have you made recently? Um, and just kind of opening up conversations about um, what they're currently doing and then kind of moving into the possibility that uh, we could do it in a more organized way as a family, um, you know, sharing values with the process. And then the other thing we have is we have a, a detailed checklist and process with questionnaires for developing a family giving plan. So if it gets to the point where you're in the, over the holidays, you're talking to your kids or grandchildren about it, and there's interest. You know, we have a whole series of uh, things you can, uh, tools you can use to just create a plan. You know, like, you know, what's the benefit to our family of doing it? Or, you know, who in the family do you include? You know, do you extend it to son and daughter-in-laws? Do you extend it down to grandchildren? What ages? So kind of coming up with, a, with parameters in terms of how, you know, who you want to talk to and how and um, the other part of it, too, is, uh, you know, everyone has different stages of life and everyone has different financial situations. Mm -hmm. So where's the money coming from? And, you know, we usually recommend that um, the money come from the grandparents if we're working with them because they might have it uh, more than maybe their kids or grandkids do. And, you know, there's some tax benefits to using your uh, IRA required minimum withdrawals now and just rolling them over directly to charities or, mm -hmm. to, you know, things like that. So there's some tax benefits to have them do it too versus their kids or grandkids. But really it's it's going through those types of questions, talking about goals and strategies. And we have a lot of tools that can help draw out the information so that they can come up with a custom plan for their specific family. That's fantastic. And and I'm just going to put my two cents in here. Uh, Tim, as, as a grandparent, uh, we're, we're both grandparents at this point, but our, our yes. grandkids are very young. 
for those grandparents out there that are hearing this podcast that maybe have grandkids that are teenage years uh, into early college and you want to have this conversation with them, one of the best ways I think you can do that is uh, it, most of the grandparents out here don't need Christmas gifts from their grandkids uh, and they know they're probably cash strapped, especially if they're in college. The gift that would mean the most to you, I'm sure, is to have some time with your grandkids. So find the charity or you know, you already have a charity that you love and maybe you spend some time with or maybe you give your time with, uh, give your time to right now because this is before Christmas. Ask your grandkids, the only gift I want for Christmas is for you to come with me to whatever charity you're involved in and just spend a couple hours with me serving this, this population. What a great way to pass on that legacy, pass on why you specifically identify with this charity, why you love it. It may not be their charity, but that doesn't matter. There's the, the gift is spending time with you at the charity that you love, and that really can open that conversation. Yeah, I'll just one last example I'll give you is uh, that comes to mind is a family. And so the grandparents created a, a donor-advised fund, but specifically to create scholarships for a private high school that oh, nice. the grandparents, the parents, and some of the grandchildren, so the parents and grandparents had attended, and some of the grandchildren were attending. And all they really asked was that uh, family members get involved with selecting the scholarship winners. And I can't tell you how That's awesome. valuable that lesson is every year and how much those kids enjoy it, and then how much time, like you said, time is the commodity, how much time yeah. they've been able to spend with their grandparents and information and history and knowledge that they're getting. It's it's beautiful. Yeah, that is that is awesome. I know we're drawing close to the end of our time today. What do you have for us for last thoughts? So my last thoughts are, I think we all do a pretty good job as advisors preparing assets for transfer to the next generation. I think the biggest gap and the reason why oftentimes wealth transfer doesn't succeed is because of that gap between learning and education mm -hmm. about what to do with the money when you get it, preparing the heirs and the charities to receive it. And philanthropy is such a great tool to pass on your knowledge, to you know, educate about money and really prepare that next generation so that they're ready for it. Um, and, and we have a lot of tools and processes for that. If you are listening to this podcast and you have your own financial advisor, I would encourage you to ask them just basically one question if this is something that interests you. What tools or resources do you have for me uh, when I think about passing on uh, money to uh, charities, to help my grandkids, to preserve my family legacy? What, what, do you, what tools do you have for me that we can look at? If they don't have an answer for you, contact him, please. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, find an office that does. We're trusted fiduciary advisors for our clients, and mm -hmm. we have a lot of resources, a lot of experience doing this, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Wellstream podcast with Tim Scannell. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Tim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. And I'm hoping you have somebody in mind for this podcast specifically and next podcast, the next podcast, which is the multi-generational family meeting. That's going to be an amazing podcast with a ton of great information uh, and a really a glimpse into how Tim and his team work with parents and grandparents and just really help them preserve that legacy. So please do not miss that one. For everyone at the Wellstream Podcast, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Wellstream Podcast. We hope you gained some valuable insight that you can apply to your life and share with others. 
Please don't forget to subscribe below to be notified when new episodes become available. And don't forget to live greater. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Hightower Great Lakes. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Hightower Great Lakes is a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC.